This meeting is now being recorded. Shalom, everyone. This is Elliot Schoenberg speaking, International Director of Placement for the Rabbinical Assembly. Welcome to Chodesh Tov. Chodesh Tov is a monthly 10-minute podcast that is a joint venture of the Shechter Rabbinical School in Jerusalem, Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies in Los Angeles, Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem, and, of course, the International Rabbinical Assembly. The purpose of these podcasts is to regularly inform rabbis about current, cutting-edge thinking in a wide variety of Jewish fields of study. Today, I am very pleased to invite to be our presenter, Dr. Michael Berenbaum. Michael is the, Ziegler, is the director of the Ziggy Zering Institute at American Jewish University and the former project director of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., and of particular interest to us now being consultant on constructions of museums around the world. Thank you, and welcome, Professor Berenbaum. It's a pleasure to be with you, and a pleasure to be with your rabbinic colleagues. And so we'd like to talk a little bit about the construction of museums, and I'm wondering how you begin this process. What's the first thing that happens? You know, um, the very interesting thing is in creating a museum, you have to ask some very simple questions. Who, uh, what, where, with what, and how? What means, what do you have to say? What's the story you want to tell? We're talking essentially about historical museums. Historical museums have a story to tell. What is the story to tell? If you're telling the story of, of the Exodus, you'd have to tell the story of slavery in Egypt. You'd have to tell the story of um, um, the arrival of Moses, the yearning of the people to be free. You'd have to tell the story of the path that was taken, the struggle that was done. But uh, Or in the case of the Holocaust, the question is, what do you want to say? What part of the story do you want to say? And as we found in a variety of museums, you tell the story differently in Berlin than you do in Budapest, differently in Jerusalem than you do in Washington, in part because you're relating to the environment and to the audiences that come to visit. The second question is um, where? And uh, museums are site-specific. They are essentially created in location, and the location in one sense determines and shapes part of the story you want to tell. With what is the question of what are the artifacts that you have, what's the raw material that you have? Uh, those of you who have been in Washington, D.C., and I presume most of the rabbis have, will understand that the moment we got a boxcar, we told the story very differently than we told it before we had a boxcar. The moment we had all of the shoes uh, from the uh, from Maidanic, we had a vocabulary with which to create that was very different. Um, so um, with what is the artifacts? In other museums that I've done, for example, you have the artifacts of local people. You begin to tell the story very differently. I'm doing a museum now, for example, in the um, in Borough Park, which has a very interesting artifact, which is a Torah that was pieced together from fragments of Torahs after um, uh, after uh, in post-war Poland, 
which moves, and this the rabbis will easily understand, which moves from um, from Shiratayam to Zahorta Shirasalakamalik, which is something that to a non religious audience you would have to explain why that is bizarre, unusual, and already an indication that whoever pieced together the thing did not know anything about what he he or she was piecing together. So with what tells the material that you that you have and uh, what you do with it. And finally, how means there are a variety of techniques with which you tell a story. Some of it is shaped by the nature of the building in which you find yourself. In Washington, we had a building that was three stories. Therefore, we had to shape the Holocaust, as it were, in three different narratives, each of them reflecting a uh, a floor. So obviously, the easiest is before, during, and after. But we shaped it. One was 33 through 39. The other was during the war when the Shoah was actually taking place. And finally, the post-war and all the issues associated with the post-war. So that answers the question, what, with what, where, and how? And those are the stories that you begin with. And obviously, if you are building on a historic site, you must tell the story of that site. If you are building in a historic city, then you have to tell the story of that city. So you tell the story differently depending on locale and depending on the material that you have. And then you choose the narrative techniques that are available to you in the modern world, which include film and video, which include testimony and all the elements, um, including uh, all the elements of design that it's possible to have in the contemporary world. So one of the things that intrigues me about all of this is where does the question of education fit into it? Was there something about Oh, I, I am so happy you asked that for a very basic reason. Museums are an educational institution. Now, the difference between museums and the, and and the school is essentially museums tell a story, which audiences come to hear, and they tell it in a variety of different ways. But they are fundamentally educational institutions. The science museum tries to intrigue and excite people about science. A Holocaust museum tries to interest people in Jewish history and memory. And consequently, some of the criticisms that you sometimes hear that that money could be better spent on Jewish education alike doesn't understand the unique characteristic of a museum, which is a contemporary educational institution. And consequently, uh, it's just another modality of education. It's another way in which we reach out to audiences. Great, great. So you, you sort of touched on it, but talk a little bit about what's the difference between types of museums. Of, if one is an art museum, how is that different from a science museum? And what is unique and different about a Holocaust memorial? Okay. One, wonderful, wonderful question. An art museum essentially tells you the story of its artifacts, of its possessions. An art museum is designed to essentially showcase what it owns. So if I walk into a museum and I give them 10 Rembrandts, they will create a Dutch master section. If I give them 20 early American um, uh, um, uh, uh, drawings, they'll develop an early American um, uh, story. 
if I give them uh, five Picassos or ten Picassos, they'll develop something in, in modern art. Uh, they show you what they have, and their goal is to, uh, one, collect and to display, and finally to intrigue their audience as to the nature of art and to see things of power and meaning and, um, and importance. A science museum uses a variety of techniques to intrigue you both about the accomplishments and the achievements of science and the hands-on aspect of science. So science museums generally tend to be interactive. They tend to allow you to marvel at the displays that, 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 that you see and to interact with them, which is part of uh, their agenda, in fact, is to teach you um, some of the hands-on stuff that scientists do. Historical museums tell a narrative. The Holocaust Museum or Holocaust Museums are one of the historical narratives that we tell. They don't have to be the only historical narrative. I'm working on a museum in um, Macedonia, and Macedonian Jewish history is an intriguing history because, remember, Macedonia has the oldest synagogue outside of the um, land of Israel, the oldest known synagogue outside the land of Israel. Jews have lived in Macedonia since the second century before the Common Era. Macedonia was also the place of uh, where the Spanish uh, Jews uh, came as they came into the Ottoman Empire. Macedonia was also the place of the uh, Sabbatean um, uh, Messianic movement. And, in fact, the most famous person of Jewish ancestry buried in Macedonia is Nathan of Gaza, who was the John the Baptist of Shabtai and Macedonia during the Shoah has an interesting history because it was under Bulgarian occupation. The Bulgarians essentially deported the Jews in March 1942 to a ghetto called Monopolf. Within three weeks, they were all destroyed in Treblinka. So what happened in Poland over uh, three years happened in Macedonia over 21 days. And moreover, when the Bulgarians came to destroy their own native population of Bulgarians, the population revolted, and they couldn't fulfill their commitment they had made to the Germans to deport Macedonian, uh, 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 to deport Bulgarian Jews to the death camp of Treblinka. So you tell a narrative, we're going to tell a whole narrative of Jewish history in a land there, and we're going to tell it in a way in which it emphasizes not only the Shoah, but the before, which goes back 2,000 years, and the after, which includes the resettlement of Jews in um, Israel, the resettlement of Jews in Chile, the resettlement of Jews in the United States, as well as a very fragmented, very small community in Macedonia, where there are only 200 Jews today. So one of the things that intrigues me about all of this is um, it's already more than a decade, I don't know, was it 15 years since the creation of the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. How has, what have you learned in those years in terms of presenting things? How are things done differently? How has it evolved in well, 15 years? The, the Holocaust Museum was actually created um, 20 years ago. It, it, uh, April 19th will be its 20th year. 19, uh, uh, 2013 will be its 20th year. It opened in April 1993. Uh, uh, number one, it shows you that that um, that competition helps. 
because of the fact that the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum was created and did so well, Yad Vashem got the capacity and the resources to recreate its institution for the 21st century, and it now is opened in 2005. It's seven years old. Uh, other countries then felt an obligation to build comparable institutions, so the Berlin Memorial opened since then, a museum in New York opens since then. We have much greater ability now to use uh, sound because in museum sound is, a, is it, it, there's something called ambient sound. What you hear in a very particular spot is problematic if you hear it elsewhere, but we now can direct things in a different way. We now can use computers in ways that were not available before. We can use flat screens which and uh, different types of projection, real-lit screens. We can even use the technology of the iPad so people are used to touching and seeing displays change, interacting with displays, which means they are prepared to be active visitors rather than don't touch, only look, only see which is the normal capacity of, of, of uh, the normal um, elements of the museum. In fact, Yad Vashem, um, when I visited the first time, it has a number of displays in drawers, in drawers that you pull out, which allows you to level information. And I said to them, you know, nobody's going to open the drawer unless you say, please open. Because what we teach people when they visit museum is don't touch. And if you're asking people to touch and interact, you have to invite them to touch and interact. And we have a much greater technological capacity. We have much greater computer tech, uh, capacity. We have much greater uh, flat screen, rear screen, as well as I think we have changed essentially the nature of a historical museum into a storytelling institution. Let me give you a simple example. There are two major storytelling elements of the modern world. One is a film, and the other is a museum. Third is a novel, by the way. But the difference between a film and a museum is a film has a captive audience and moving imagery. A museum has a moving audience and captive imagery. And consequently, you must drive the audience or move the audience or let the audience move on the basis of the images that they see and the narrative they want to engage with, where in a movie you have one choice. You either sit there and watch what the director is giving you, or you leave. In a museum, you are sovereign. You control the nature of your visit, which means when you and I go to museums, we see totally different things. And that's part of the excitement, and that's part of the engagement. It's also part of the strangeness for the visitor until they train themselves to see museums, because they have a freedom of experience that is not usual in our world of entertainment. That sounds like a good break point because it sounds like we have a whole other podcast to do about training folks on how to see museums, particularly Holocaust and Jewish museums. That sounds like a whole other great podcast to do. With pleasure. I'd like to thank Professor Barenbaum for being our guest today for Chodesh Tov. This was Michael Barenbaum currently associate, uh, the director of the Ziggy Zirin Institute at the American Jewish University. Thank you for being our guest presenter today. This has been Elliot Schoenberg, the International Director of Placement for the Rabbinical Assembly. Chodesh Tov, everyone. <laughs>